had me at Jello, Jello. You had me at Jello. You had me at Jello. Oh, you had me at Jello. Hello, everybody. It's five o'clock on a Friday, and I know what we're all thinking. The weekend, we finally get to practice. We get to practice the cello. All we need are words of inspiration, inspiring ideas the day before, five o'clock on Friday. So maybe we even can get in some practicing yet this evening. So that's the idea here. And uh, this week, I'm very delighted to be joined by special guest, Charlie Rasmussen. How are you, Charlie? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you today? Doing great, doing great. Glad to hear you are too. So let's, um, let's just talk a little bit about you and the cello and what has inspired you. You were inspired to take up the cello um, in, as a middle schooler, is that correct? Actually, I started a little earlier than that. Um, I actually started in uh, second grade. There was a string quartet that came to our school. And so I told my mother that I wanted to play. Actually, I didn't know what it was called at the time. So I said, I want to play that instrument. And she kind of had to go through and say, was it this one, this one, this one? And it turned out to be the cello. Um, And and I started um, with a local string teacher, um, Linda Oya. and so for a few years before I began studying with you. All right. Yeah. And I got the privilege of teaching you for a while before then you went to, you went first to Luther in Iowa. Is that yes, I did. That's correct. Okay. Yes. I went to Luther College in Iowa and then um, uh, North Carolina Greensboro UNCG for a master's degree. Um, and I did um, Suzuki teacher training studies at the University of Denver as well. All right, right. The the cello library at University of North Carolina Greensboro is a very distinctive place, isn't it? It is. It's the it's only, a- I was going to say, it's the only place in the world that I've, I've ever gotten to talk to the cello librarian. May I yes. see the cello librarian? And they have somebody. Yes. Say a couple things about that holding, would you? Sure. Yeah. So the University of North Carolina, Greensboro has a very large um, collection of cello music. And it was started by um, the the person who was the professor at the time, Elizabeth Cowling. And she started it by getting um, her teacher's um, materials, Luigi Silva's. And then from there, the collection kept growing. Um, and, and so, you know, today, if you are to visit, you can go to, you have to go to the main library. It's not in the music building, um, but they have a special, like, uh, you know, like a special, um, uh, archive for it, so to speak, where all of the files are. And if you want to go and look at something, make sure to let them know in advance that you're coming because they, they have to go and pull the files. Um, and yeah, and it has, it, it has a lot of, um, music and one of the things that's really significant about the collection too is that um, there's a lot of um, uh, cello pedagogues who have like editions of pieces in there. So you can look at their fingerings and their bowings and things like that. And so it's a really interesting, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic collection um, and it keeps growing too. It's by no means is it done growing. Um, it seems like Every few years, they there seems to be a new uh, like a new collection that comes its way. 
Yes, I agree. I got to spend a week there and they're very generous with the collection too. Just in snap photos of all the, the pieces that you later want to, so that you don't have to take copious notes. Um, all they ask is if you share it, you just give credit for them being the place that housed it. It's, it's very generous of them. And then you came back to Wisconsin. I was very glad. And then you started working at the Milwaukee Conservatory. Oh yeah, Wisconsin Conservatory. Excuse me. In, yeah, in that's Milwaukee. okay. That's okay. It's in Milwaukee. Yes. 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 And um, promptly started recording some CDs. You have the one that first came out was Dalabaco. Dalabaco. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I, I really like really like your sound in particular on that CD. And then the duo CD was just just last year that it came out mm -hmm. with with Anton. And mm -hmm. that was, um, help me out, Gia. Giordani, Tommaso Giordani. Giordani. Yeah, Giordani. Yeah, yeah. Again, neither one of them names that we necessarily think of on a daily basis, but worth having discovered and recorded and explored. And mm -hmm. I imagine you always probably have the next recording project in the queue. What are you working on next? Well, that's a really good question. Actually, right now I don't have uh, like a CD project in the works, but I actually recently have done some um, YouTube channel recordings just to kind of bolster my my YouTube um, channel for both Broke Cello and Viola da Gamba. Um, so, so I've been working on getting some videos up. I mean, at, at, of course, I you know there's there certainly will be something I'm sure, you know down you know down the road. Um, and for the Giordani, you know, the way that we decided to record those was because there wasn't a recording of them that we were able to find. And Anton and I had been playing them for, you know, a couple years um, and programming them on various concerts. We both play in the Wisconsin Broke Ensemble. And so, you know, and since there wasn't a recording, we thought, well, maybe we should record these pieces because they're beautiful cello duos. Um, they're, um, they're, they're very um, classical, very... Um, I don't know. I think they're very attractive pieces, very easy to listen to. Yes. Yeah. Now you mentioned what it was that drew you to cello in second grade, that visiting string quartet. Mm -hmm. What is it that particularly turned you on to early music? That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, for many years, you know, when I grew up, my mother was a music educator. And so, and so needless to say, she had quite a large collection of records and CDs. And um, she was a very big fan of Bach. And I remember distinctly listening to lots of Bach. And, you know, and so then when I was young, she would also get CDs for me. So when I started playing cello, she got a lot of Yo-Yo Ma CDs. And I remember distinctly listening to like Simply Baroque uh, and then Simply Baroque two, and I really liked those. Later on, learning that it was Tom Koopman and the Amsterdam Baroque, um, and and his ensemble that that you know that recorded that. Um, and so, I mean, I always enjoyed listening to Baroque music, and I didn't I, I didn't really dive into it until graduate school. Um, uh, but again, I mean, I, I you know I, I think that it's a great thing to explore and to and I and continue to learn about. I mean, it's amazing how much repertoire there is. Um, that doesn't often get heard or played all that often. And there's some really great pieces out there. It's true. It's a staggering amount of repertoire. <laughs> I mean, you just, you think, okay, I've gotten about to the end of it. And no, then you uncover some more. 
So, and I think that's another, also a very good point that could be the gem of inspiration for some listeners as far as just really checking out more than just maybe some of the Bach or Handel or Vivaldi that they've, that they've heard and start to explore it more. And then to try playing on a early music instrument. Um, sometimes people are amazed by how much they are drawn to it. But in your yeah. case, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, something, a good way to kind of dive into it. I mean, you know, because there's different levels, different levels of how you want to dive into it. The first thing I would actually suggest is just getting a Baroque bow. I think that that's something that is, and, and there are Baroque bows out there that are not all that expensive. Um, I believe that Char Music has developed uh, a pretty decent Baroque bow with um, Rachel Barton Pine. I think she kind of helped engineer it. And I think it's, you know, around a hundred, it's between a hundred and $150. So it's not really that much. Um, and then something that you should do too, is if you want to um, explore some early music is start with pieces that you haven't learned on modern cello. And the reason for it is because if you play a piece that you've learned, then you're going to fall into the habits of, uh, you know, of, of what you know, and how you know to play the piece. Um, so, you know, some good starting points are Vivaldi sonatas are great to, um, to work on. So maybe pick one that you haven't played before. Um, and, and of course I would recommend, highly recommend get a critical edition. So I recommend the Baron Writer <laughs> for the Vivaldi sonatas. Um, and if you want some solo pieces, um, Gabrielli Ricciacars are great to play. There's also a really nice canon for two cellos. Um, that, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's such a, it's such an iconic piece. Um, and uh, let's see, um, I also recommend, there are some Toccatas by a composer, Francesco uh, Supriani or Supriano or Scipriani. He has three different names that he'll go by. Um, so, you know, those are some other pieces that I think are really nice to look at. Um, and those are solo unaccompanied, unaccompanied works. But again, you know, try it with a broke bow, you know, um, try no end pin. Um, and of course, you know, you can watch lots of tutorials online. Um, you know, or, or, or find a teacher or something or somebody who can kind of guide you that direction. Um, you know, when I started, you know, I had, I was very fortunate actually because I was, um, I started with a, a great Baroque cellist, Brent Wissick, um, who um, taught at Chapel Hill. And I met him after a concert I was at there. And he said, because I had a friend who was studying with, with him and he said, oh, I, you know, I've heard that you have some interest in Baroque cello. I'm teaching at this workshop this summer do you want to come and I was of course sign me up so um and I haven't looked back since um but yeah so I would say that you know that those are some good ways to kind of you know just to kind of maybe dabble in in some early music performance practice and of course listen listen to what people listen to recordings mm -hmm. or or Charlie come up with your own stuff yeah that's right. true okay so we've had over the the years the uh, various students that have been really drawn to early music. I'm thinking the, the past couple in particular have not been very fond of improvising, but you have found that you are keen to improvise in the classical style, in that, that broke style. So did you, for example, did you know that you kind of had the improvisational bug before you were drawn to early music or did that early music help to uncover that? 
Early music definitely helped. I was not much of an improviser before that, to be totally honest. And, you know, and actually part of it was I did it. I, I started working on improvisation, you know, just actually a few years ago. And I did it as sort of an exercise in learning because a lot of the pieces were written in very improvisatory styles and composers would improvise too. So, so, so I kind of started off with some pretty... Um, straightforward form. So like toccatas, preludes, things like that. And and what I would try to do would be challenge myself to come up with different ideas. Um, one of the things I remember my graduate professor would talk about this for improvisation. He would say, it's not as much as, it's not that, you know, there's endless possibilities, but you're actually choosing between different routes that you can go. And, and because, you know, and especially in Baroque improvisation, you know, there are things that will work and things that don't necessarily work, um, you know. So, um, you know, and so, so then from there, then I started trying to work on it in dances. And and what I do actually more so than anything else is I'll often add into pieces that are already written, but often that are short. So like some Baroque dances, um, for example, like there's a, a short collection of works by. Um, a Neapolitan composer, Giulio Ruvo, really great composer. If you don't know his pieces, check him out. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity to add things into some of his pieces. He has some Tarantellas, a Chaconne, very, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity to do that. So, so often my improvisation will be adding things into kind of those already existing pieces. So that may be the very avenue that any anyone listening to this to this and hoping for improv, uh, inspiration, but who has previously not gone down the road of improvisation in the past because they think it's not for them. If they take an existing piece and treat it like, okay, what else might be added to it? What if it didn't stop where it stops? Or what if this particular sequence continues? And then it's maybe uh, a little bit less scary and a little bit more of a fun adventure that they might enjoy. Absolutely. And I think a really great place to start with that are fermatas. Use fermatas like in Bach cello suites and things like that. Um, you know, and of course, you know, this, this this notion of cadenza, you know, in the in the classical area of a fermata, which would mean, you know, there would be a cadenza, which would be a little bit longer. In, in Bach's time, I mean, cadenzas could be quite short, could just be a couple notes. So I would recommend, you know, try to explore a little bit um, and see if you can See if you can come up with something. Um, and, you know, and it doesn't have to be complicated. And, and actually, that was important for me because I did not have a lot of confidence with it. So I started off by just adding in little little things. And then later on, I felt more comfortable to, to improvise on a larger scale. Excellent. Excellent. Well, these some of my questions as far as advice of, or inspiration or favorite cello pieces that you're listening to, you, you bake those right into the responses, which is great. Uh, though, do you have any, we've been talking specifically about early music and improvisation. Do you have any other words of wisdom as far as what you go to for inspiration? On yeah, a, on a sure. Day? You know, I, I, I really like listening to the instrument. So when I like to warm up, I like to do long tones and listen to the resonance. And I actually find a lot of inspiration in that and playing notes and just and just listening to it. You know, I, I, I find that um, that sometimes by just listening to the instrument, it really prepares my mind and my ears too for for the practice session ahead. So, I mean, I highly recommend 
you know, when you start your practice, listen, it's, and, you know, and I actually, and I, I say this to some of my students too, they'll, they might laugh if, if they're listening. It's, you know, it's a feast for your ears, you know, because, you know, because when you're playing these long tones, there, there's, you know, there's so many rich overtones and things that you can hear. And, and I really enjoy, and I really enjoy listening to those. Super, super. So let's say some people want to check out, and I'm sure they will, your YouTube videos. How would mm -hmm. they find? How would they find those? Um, you can just you can just type my name into YouTube. Um, Charlie Rasmussen. Um, I think my account is Charlie Rass 3 I, I think that's I think that's my YouTube channel. Um, and and like I said, they'll they'll be coming. The new newest batch will be coming soon. But there's of course a you know a, a list of of existing videos that you can check out. Great. Will they also be able to find out um, if they if they type in Charlie Rasmussen into uh, a search engine for for music, they'll also find your CDs. That's correct. Yeah, if you go to Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, you will find you'll find the CDs there. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks so much, Charlie. I, as we wrap up, I just want to mention that our guest next week will be Brett Rent. Did you ever cross paths with him? I don't think not so. I, I couldn't remember whether yeah. you, you overlapped at all or not. Yeah. But Brett, Brett is out in Colorado and he is among the, the many people who play much of his cello playing is outside of the classical realm and it is um, it's the country and folk and rock. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure he'll have some thoughts also on improvisation, but from a different stylistic perspective and it's all good mm -hmm. yeah it, it is and and i i and i, I i'm so glad you you brought that up because like you said the the style of improvisation makes such a difference um so it's like really for my improvisation i'm really only comfortable in you know more or less a baroque or a classical style if it goes outside of that realm i definitely lose a lot of the a lot of my comfort in that right now Maybe right now, <laughs> maybe after you see Brett's thing, you're uh, venturing out into new territory yourself. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for watching. I want to give a, a shout out to the Whitewater Advertising Association and the website that they're helping to build. Uh, you had me at Chalo website. That's that's going to kind of expand on what this Facebook Live event is and offer some other resources that people might find useful and hopefully inspiring as well. So watch for that maybe at the end of, of February or, or so. Otherwise, happy practicing all weekend long and we'll see you next Friday.